Hello and welcome to Money Chill Out, the podcast to inspire and feel good about your money. I'm Marika Fino, a woman in my 30s, ex-trader in the city of London, a yoga teacher and the owner of my financial empowerment business. On this podcast, I want to open up the discussion around money and investments and dive into personal finance management, which can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindset, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. You too can get financial peace of mind and it starts with empowerment and knowledge. Let's go. Hi, Adria, how are you? Hi, Marika. Very nice and you. Thank you for My pleasure. So we met actually a bit more than two years ago at a panel at the French Tech Lisbon at a podcaster event where I was a speaker. And since then, we bumped into each other quite a few times. Lisbon is a tiny city. And I remember actually being in a cooking class with you at the French embassy. That was super fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you were the best chef. Chef. That <laughs> was nice. <laughs> So you're the founder of Algay, an application that gives transparency to real estate investments and enables investors to make good decisions to build their portfolios through the blockchain. You've also published Financing Your Dreams, a book to help people realize their dreams thanks to real estate. And you're so keen on this asset class because you've managed to be actually financially independent thanks to it. Anything that you want to add? Mm, no, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's clear. Indeed, I was working in real estate for um, the real estate industry for a, a bit more than seven years. And I started investing on my own to, as you said, fulfill my dream and travel around, around the world. So, so yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> that's good. So can you tell us your story and how you became financially independent? Because I think a lot of people are going to be inspired. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, basically, uh, Quickly about my background, as I said, I'm an engineer in urban planning and I also have a, a business degree in uh, real estate and wealth management. So I worked for more than seven years in uh, real estate professional companies like um, JLL, Jones Lang LaSalle in India, where I was doing some um, real estate investment projects for investors. Then in Bouygues Immobilier, which is a French developer. And then La Française, which is an asset management company uh, like uh, BlackRock, let's, let's say, in the US, in Paris and London. So basically, we manage funds for institutional and also retail investors. And I was um, between Paris and London sourcing for um, commercial properties, mostly in Europe, in different countries. And so I started to basically use my knowledge, even if it was not the same scale, unfortunately, because I saw that basically we invest the money of investors in pension fund to create your own pension and retirement. So I said, why maybe I should do it on my own. I started like uh, as soon as I got my uh, degree in 2014 to do some offers, visits, looking for some properties. I bought my, uh, my first property in 2016 which is in the um, Grand Paris region. It was um, a flat originally with two bedrooms, but the living room was huge. So I created a, a third bedroom to make it a, a flat sharing for young professionals and um, students. And then I, for three years, I bought in total uh, seven properties. So which the idea was to 
once you paid back all your expenses, mortgage, all your expenses to have enough uh, cash flow to have passive income. And basically the idea was to replace my original salary from my uh, professional um, job. And uh, so I quit my job in 2019. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. And so what sources of income do you have now? Just that, which is already like quite a lot, but just the real estate or other things? So yeah, no, mostly real estate, but I also invest in uh, stock market, mostly invest in um, companies that give me a dividend, like the Warren uh, Buffett uh, method. So I don't only rely on uh, capital gain, but also it's almost like a real estate investment approach because the dividend can be compared as a, a rent. And I find it less stressful because uh, you have more visibility and it's more steady. You know that uh, if you look at the past 20 years, you see all the dividend a company, a stock is giving. You have, for example, in France, a famous one, it's uh, Total, let's say. You can see pretty much that in, in the last 20 years, you had, they pay you some quarterly dividends. And um, if you invest in the right timing, you can see how much you expect to have a dividend, like five, six, seven percent dividend, and also expecting a capital gain over a long period. And I also invest a small uh, part in um, crypto. So in crypto, uh, mostly the biggest one like Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, but some also a low portion of uh, small uh, altcoins. And uh, also I test a bit at small scale uh, investment in uh, as a business angel in some um, startup, but um, it's very risky and I'm still just starting. So it's a small portion, let's say, of my uh, portfolio. Yeah, investment in startups, like, like the saying is out of 10 positions you're going to take, probably two going to succeed and the others, either you're going to get zero or just what you actually put back. And so since you bought the first property, so in back in 2016, you said you invested in others. What kind of property were there? So yeah, the first one I bought basically, actually I was looking in the Batignol in near the Montmartre in Paris because I, I knew I did like a market study and I saw that it was expecting to, the, the prices at that time were still low, like six, 7,000 euros per square meter, which for Paris was quite interesting, uh, uh, like in 2015-16. And um, I was looking mostly for, uh, at that time, traditional um, flats, like to rent it to a student or young, uh, young people. But uh, actually, I was looking and I found a, a space which was a commercial space very near Montmartre, which is um, allowed to rent it as um, on Airbnb, on short-term housing. That's the first property I found. But then I've asked the vendor, which was a real estate investor also, if he had other properties to sell. And he told me another one, the one I told you just before in uh, the Grand Paris region, which was the flat sharing. So actually I made an offer and I, because I bought the two at the same time, it was um, more easy to negotiate with the vendor. So it was um, two different strategies, one on short term on Airbnb and the other one on flat sharing more long term and more diversify with three bedrooms. And uh, then I invested also uh, in another similar one with four bedroom in a flat sharing also. The idea is I, I was trying to find good opportunities with a price below the, the market price, but also how you can add uh, value and create value. Because most of the time people are looking for the best opportunity comparing the price, the market price. 
but it's very difficult. And in the end, people never invest. They wait for the best price, right? But they never invest. So you, you have to see and to be innovative to see how you can create value by um, changing a bit the property and how you're going to manage it and operate it also. And so, yeah, and then I bought also uh, another one that I rent also an Airbnb near Montmartre. And then I bought in Paris, beyond the, the Butte Chaumont. It was two studios. So I try to different strategy, long term. I have uh, one tenant actually in this flat is still there. It's been uh, six, seven years now. He hasn't, so it's good, long term student. And the return rental in yield is a bit lower, but people stay longer, which is less. There's no friction, exactly. Sometimes it's better as well. Yeah. yeah less stress, less energy to manage it. Then some uh, higher return with uh, Airbnb. And then some flat sharing where the risk is more diversified because you have three and uh, several bedrooms. So event if in case it never happened yet, but the student doesn't pay one rent, you still have the other who, who pay, which allow you to, to pay back your mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so being in that market for nearly 10 years, what's your biggest learning or, or any advice that you would want to give? But as I was saying, first, try to diversify in different strategy, because if you do only Airbnb or only, uh, let's say, commercial space only, but you never, you, you can have a risk of uh, if the law is changing or if the, so it's better to, as I said, diversify in different strategy. Also, if possible, in different uh, region, not necessarily only uh, at the same uh, place. Even it can be, uh, seems um, more easy to, to manage, but I think it's good also to, to diversify uh, because you, it's better. You never know uh, how a region will evolve. Say also, don't wait because most people wait. They always wait the good, the good the moment, the good timing. They always say, oh, it's, uh, the crisis is coming. So maybe I should wait uh, one year, then next year, but they never do it in the end and time fly. And, but if you do it, and you don't wait and you go fast, it's a way to amortize uh, your investment, start earning some money, getting some rental income. Even if you do some mistake or even if you think you buy a little bit more than the market price, at least you, 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 you gain experience and you, you start capitalizing. So don't wait too much. That's a really good advice, actually. I like it. Yeah, just take action. So we've talked about the traditional real estate. Let's go to fractional ownership now. And what is fractional ownership? It's just a way of buying a portion or percentage of a property. So can you give us a bit of background, how big that market is or how liquid and, and when it started to be popular? Yeah, so actually it started to be popular, I think, a bit more than five, six years, five years ago, mostly in the US with um, a platform called uh, Realty. So personally, I invested on, with them uh, in a property in Chicago, like a few years ago, three or four years ago, I believe. Basically, the idea of you have different way of fractional investment. There is fractional investment. The idea, as you said, is to buy a fraction of property mostly as an investment. So you uh, buy to let, so you get monthly rental income, the fraction what you, of what you invested. And also you can uh, gain the capital gain. So if the property increase the value, you can expect to, to sell it for a higher price. And then you have different way of structure it. 
It's a huge market. Uh, real estate is the biggest asset class in the, in the world. The CEO, Larry Fink of BlackRock, said tokenization, which is the main thing when we think about fractional investment, is the biggest move of the securities in the coming years and the finance. So the idea of fractional investment, as I said, is um, you have different way to structure it. Either it's just a fraction as um, representing the property, but it can be a digital asset. So the fraction is represented as a token and the token also, there is different way of structure it, can be a, a security token, which is like uh, considered as an investment, or can be a utility token, which is normally more the usage. So to reflect it on the fraction of the property, if the fra if the, um, the token is a utility token, normally you shouldn't gain money on the fraction, but just use maybe the property, a fraction of the property. In Europe, tokenization of property is still uh, very difficult to implement it in terms of um, legislation. We don't have the same structure, maybe not as advanced as uh, the financial authority the, in the United States. So far, what we do in Europe, there is um, many companies uh, do starting to do it, but differently. The fraction can be considered either as a bond or either as royalties. So you don't actually own the equity and uh, the end property, the underlying asset, but you just, for example, loan money. The property is owned by a company and the investor, when they invest 10, 10, 50, 100 euros, they will uh, loan some money on the company that is owning the property and they will get the monthly uh, income and the capital gain. The idea is to replicate exactly the investment, uh, the real estate investment as a fraction. Yeah. And, and can you give us examples of the market to see like how broad it can be? Because the first thing I'm thinking of is I actually was lucky to be to go to Egypt a few years back because one of my friends or parents had a holiday home there and where they could spend six to eight weeks a year. So what else? Well, it's very broad. There is um, one of the ideas first is to bring liquidity and two, to be able to give more benefits and utilities to your investment. And so people can pick their own investment they want. It's less boring than investing in a, in a traditional real estate investment fund or than uh, in traditional properties because you're able to pick and create your own portfolio, diversified portfolio. You can decide to invest in a co-living or in a, in a share of a hotel, as you said, or a hospitality asset. In Mexico, for example, you can uh, just decide to invest in a commercial uh, shop, your favorite commercial shop, like your bakery near where you live. You can invest in some social residential um, space if you want to make a positive impact. So there is lots of small niche projects that are being created in the US, as I said, but also in, in France, in Portugal, in Spain, with different strategies. So it depends what you want. There is also some project like in Bali, you can buy a fraction of an island. But the thing is, you have to be careful when you invest in, in this type of project because a um, lot of initiatives are being done, but uh, you never know how legit is the project, if they're related by the financial authorities, or if they're just going to go away with your money, or if they don't even invest in the underlying property. 
So it's still a lot of research, like any investment actually, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to be mindful, check out the founders, the founding team, the track record, the how it's, um, yeah, how it's, it's developed. But uh, yeah, the, as I said, uh, with um, your example in, um, in Egypt, one of the, our conviction at uh, Alega is um, of the main benefit of investing in this time of project is like the new version of time sharing when you, like there was uh, in France, Pierre et Vacances and you have some other, you invest in a fraction of property, but everything is digitalized and uh, you can have returns from the property, but also some other, as I said, like a, almost like a club, like a destination club. So you, you will be part of a club. You have some discount of, on the food and beverage, some um, on, on the time and so on. And there, there clearly are a lot of, oh, a few advantages on this type of ownership. The first one I'm thinking of is probably the opportunity to own something that might otherwise be outside of your budget because the entry ticket is much lower. And the fact as well that there's a lower entry ticket, maybe you can actually diversify much more because you can actually buy your full fraction instead of just being concentrated on one. And this as well can lead to liquidity. If you need to liquidate, clearly you're going to have, it's going to be quicker for you to actually get your funds back. Any others that you're thinking of? Yeah, as you said, the low entry code, low entry ticket, but also the fact that um, most people, I mean, not most people, but right now in the current crisis, it's very difficult to get a mortgage. And also there is more and more freelancers, digital nomads. They don't necessarily have access to, the, to a bank, to a mortgage because they, they don't have a full-time job. So for them, it can be very difficult to to obtain a, a mortgage. So investing in this kind of property, you can, uh, you can start capitalize and invest in, in properties with, as, as you said, a, a low entry ticket and um, diversifying at the same time. It's a way to start understanding the process of real estate investment because we really try to replicate the traditional real estate investment. So yeah, and some also, some people don't, even if they have access to mortgage, some people don't want to have too many, too much debt as I uh, don't take too many risks. So it's also a way for them to invest in real estate in another way and more fun. Mm -mm. And I, and I quite like the fact that you link that kind of ownership with the, um, all the nomads and digital nomads and so on, because I never really actually made the connections between the two and the fact that, yeah, clearly that can be very attractive if you don't want to have something that holds you, whereas if you're digital nomad, in theory, you could be everywhere. You don't necessarily want to be anchored into one place. So yeah, it was my main, one of the main reasons why I launched it is because as I said, I was traveling a lot around the world doing some adventure and I was frustrated that it was difficult to invest on real estate while you are traveling. You now people want more flexibility. They don't necessarily want to buy their own main residency because they want to be free and so on. So if you are, have the opportunity to create your real estate portfolio, but in another way, it's, uh, it's quite interesting. Mm. And what about the fees now? Because often there's a management or property management company that you need to pay on top of other real estate fees. So what do you think is okay or acceptable in terms of percentage? <laughs> yeah, so that's a good question. Actually, the fee, one of the main reasons to, to do that also is to be way more transparent because uh, most real estate investment companies, like as I said, BlackRock or some other, you never know 
clearly the fees, they are a bit not hidden, but you have to read everything. If there is a distributor, a broker, and so on, you have a lot of fees representing sometimes more than 10%. So um, the fees, you have to check and compare everything because they're never the, the same. Some people decide to say that it's going to be on the vendor of the property. They're going to take, for example, 7 to 10%, but um, then they won't, they will take less fees on the management, on the rental income. So what we see usually in average is around 10% uh, globally. So you can have, as I said, at the acquisition price of the property, but it can be presented in different ways because you have some platforms who are purely technologic, like a technologic platform, like a marketplace. So they would take less fees apparently on the acquisition of the property, but actually, because they are just a purely technology platform, they take more after and they, re they delegate to a property manager that is also taking fees. Along the lifespan, basically, that you need to actually look and not just, yeah, the entry fees, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And also they can have also some fees on the exchange when you exchange your token or your fraction for the platform. So this usually, I would say, have to be less than 1%, 2% maximum. Then also what is interesting to see actually is if there is some um, skin in the game for the platform or the, the manager. What I mean by skin in the game is that either they own a stake or a share of the property. So have at least their mission is to make it profitable because they will earn more if uh, as they have a, a share and skin in the game. Or they can also take a bit of a capital gain commission on the capital gain that will be done at the end. So you know that they are more motivating to manage well the property because they will have more commission. Yeah, it's super interesting because often when actually you have the same interest as the person who actually lend you the money, clearly you want to do better. So yeah, so you're aligned. And um, other things I'm thinking of is imagine you're buying a flat house, building, whatever it is, and there's big work to do and the cost has to be split for, for sure, depending on your, your fraction ownership. But imagine not everybody has the same budget. What happens? First, it's very important to check the business plan at the acquisition. So what they are um, integrated in the business plan to see if it's conservative or possible. So usually in the business plan, let's say over 10 year period, the platform or the manager, the property manager has to integrate a lot of capex, like uh, renovation works as a, as a, in the budget over the 10 years. So uh, if you will have to renovate the, the, the building uh, at the year six, this has to be planned in advance. So in the total acquisition for the funding and the financing, this will be integrated to make sure that uh, they have the money to, to manage it. But then if there is very something that has not been planned at the beginning, usually what is being done is uh, we stop, I mean, companies stop giving the, the rents, distributing the, when, the rent over a few months. For example, let's say if you know that you will have to, yeah, to renovate the property is going to cost you a lot, but people will uh, anticipate like three, four months before stopping distributing the, the rents to be able to pay and do the repairs and after start again. So, because otherwise it's very impossible when you have a lot of owners, many owners to ask them to give back uh, some money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
just last question to finish, which names or players are serious in the market? As you said, some you really need to understand like the team behind and, and so on. So which are your favorites? So uh, yeah, I can, in the, you would say in the world? Yeah, I have listeners a bit everywhere. So <laughs> oh, yeah, as I said, in the US, the, the most famous one is uh, Realty. Then you have some other like Honeybricks and uh, you are still in the US. There are also another one called here. So these three are few different. Their strategies are different. Reality is more residential market on the blockchain, very decentralized, mostly in Chicago and Detroit. Then Hody Bricks is a bit more centralized. It's on the blockchain polygon and they are mostly focused on commercial properties. Then here is not on the blockchain. So actually it's more, it's just fraction, but not a token. And they are mostly focused on um, hospitality asset. And then uh, in France, you have some other. One of the first ones who launched was uh, Bricks, mostly focused on, on residential in region, but not on the blockchain. And uh, yeah, some other um, uh, initiatives are, are launching also. Thank you so much, Adrien, for all the sharing, for um, talking about your experience, but as well what you do at the work and yeah, just explaining and giving inspiration to people, I would say. Yes, yeah, so thank you so much and uh, take care. Thank you very much to you. Thank you for the invite. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. So that's the end of this episode. I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website, maricafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you.